Today on the Matt Wall Show, yesterday we broke the story of massive fraud in the gender transition industry. The fallout has already started while the left scrambles to make excuses. Also, the federal government reportedly prepares to indict Donald Trump for doing the same thing that Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton did, but it was okay when they did it, of course. A new report reveals that Instagram is a major hub for pedophiles. Plus, a family in Las Vegas says that 10-foot space aliens landed in their backyard has the invasion finally started? Seems that it has. We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Congress once again allowed itself to be pushed into appeasing the administration and raising the debt ceiling for the 79th time, paving the way for continued reckless spending and further devaluation of the dollar. As our national debt continues to skyrocket, how are you protecting your savings? Times like these are a great reminder to diversify a portion of your savings into gold. And you can do that with the help of Birch Gold. They're who I buy my gold from, so do thousands of other concerned savers as well. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. You don't pay a penny out of pocket. It's that simple. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar even have? Protect your savings with gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. You can find out why by texting Walsh to 989898 to get your free info kit on gold. Again, text Walsh to 989898. A few years ago, I officially became a middle-aged dad by tearing my Achilles during a casual game of uh, pickup basketball in the driveway. Short time later, I was at the hospital where, after a long and rather physically agonizing wait in the waiting room, the doctor gave me Tylenol and told me that I had to get an MRI and see a specialist. A week later, uh, I had finally been officially diagnosed with a torn Achilles, at which point I was informed of all the options and the risks that accompany each option. And of course, the only reasonable option was to get a surgery to repair the Achilles, but still I had to be informed that, for example, doing nothing and letting it heal on its own was a path that could be chosen, though it certainly was not recommended. I decided to go with the surgery. It's all a pretty standard experience, nothing harrowing or really interesting about that. Uh, and that's really the point, because here's what didn't happen. Um, I didn't make a 22-minute video call and get approved for the surgery based on my claims alone. They didn't give me an Achilles surgery merely because I said I wanted one. They didn't simply take my word for it. And if the doctor had looked at me and looked at the MRI and determined that my Achilles was not torn... He wouldn't have given me the surgery anyway just to affirm my feelings that it was torn. That's not how medicine works. Unless, of course, you work in the gender transition industry. It's been 24 hours since we published the results of our undercover investigation into the single largest quote-unquote trans healthcare provider in the United States. The provider we're talking about is called Plume, and it operates in 41 states. It's backed by some of the biggest insurance companies and VCs in the country, and it's totally fraudulent. In case you missed it, the other day, uh, after a 22-minute video call, just 22 minutes, Plume approved one of my producers for an orchiectomy, which means testicle removal. No one at Plume had seen my producer's name is Greg, before that call. Uh, they didn't verify any of his, of his information, which was obviously made up. They didn't double-check the phony legal name he provided. They didn't bat an eye when uh, Greg identified as Chelsea Bussey, and claimed to be a strong, independent woman in need of immediate castration. No one at Plume thought that there was anything odd about all of this, even though Greg made precisely zero effort to pass as a woman, clearly had no idea what an orchiectomy would entail or what it even means. Plume just rubber-stamped Greg for testicle removal. All he had to do was send 150 bucks for the letter. And in return, Plume sent Greg a letter saying that he has gender dysphoria so that insurance would pay for his testicle removal, even though he repeatedly told them that he didn't have gender dysphoria. 
Now, let's pause for a moment to consider one of the ironies of this whole saga, which Manhattan Institute fellow Lior Sapir uh, pointed out the other day, it's really important, that the same insurance companies that will invent a fake dysphoria diagnosis for a quote-unquote trans patient will often refuse to cover healthcare for detransitioners on the basis that they don't have dysphoria. In other words, in other words, if you say you're trans, then healthcare providers will happily cook the books and say you have dysphoria, even if you don't. But if you say you're detransitioning and you're not a member of the preferred class of transgenders, then uh, insurers deny your coverage because your identity now aligns with your biological sex. You see how that works? This politically motivated barbarism, which is totally incoherent, is supposedly the bleeding edge of trans healthcare. You can see footage of Greg's call with Plume on Twitter, and we published a lot of it. Although, fair warning, as Elon Musk said in response to all this, it is uh, disturbing to say the least. And it will completely destroy your faith in modern medicine, assuming you had any faith left, which you probably shouldn't by now. But here's some of uh, Greg's call. Taking six milligrams a day. Twice a day. Yeah, just, just, right, 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 you got it. So you're taking um, 1.5 tablets yeah. a day? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, I guess, the system, let's take a look at history. All right. Um, okay, so let's, let's kind of get into this a little bit. So you are seeking what surgery? So for a couple reasons, it's I, I might be pronouncing it wrong, but I've been told orchidectomy, right? Of course, you probably don't know the things that are irreversible when it comes to um, uh, estrogen-based therapy is breast development and testicular shrinkage, right? But there's always a possibility for hair growth to come back. That may that may change the orchidectomy once you stop, um, once you don't no longer have your testes. Um, you no longer have the ability for your teeth to convert to DHT because you don't have as much teeth, right? So hair hair growth, facial and body hair may change with after orchidectomy. Fat redistribution is affected by the estrogen. So you may have less of a change of fat redistribution if you ever stop eating, but you may it may change as a whole. So it, it's it's kind of it's kind of um it kind of does have a benefit without the spironolactone, but you still want to take you still probably would definitely want to take estrogen. Mm. I'm not. I'm not complaining about the daily pills. Just to be clear, I'm. Compl- I'm just saying if it accelerates it and it makes things faster, then that's better. Yeah, just uh, casually talking about cutting balls off is all. And you know, the one thing that well, there are a lot of things that jump out at you when you watch that uh, the, the clip and you see that we have more footage that you can go to the Twitter thread and, and uh, see. But it's it's this the casual nature and, and Greg's making no effort to, you know, there's not a lot of uh, acting <laughs> involved in this on, on his end. Uh, it's just, it's like, yeah, you know, I've been told, I've been told, I've been told uh, that, uh, you know, I should get an orchidectomy. He, he pronounces it the wrong. He can't even pronounce the, the surgery that he's getting. Now, maybe if you're playing devil's advocate as you watch that, you might be tempted to think, well, Greg fooled them. He's a, he's a master deceiver. Plume did nothing wrong, you might say. They had every reason to believe that Greg was really Chelsea bussy and he was really dysphoric and there were no red flags in the call whatsoever. In case you're contemplating that position for whatever reason, I want to zoom in CSI style on a particular screen grab from Greg's conversation with Plume. Um, Here it is. Now, this is the moment that Plume's nurse told Greg about the consequences of removing his testicles. Okay, so this is a man 
finding out what it means to have your, uh, your testicles cut off. Now, I want you to notice, uh, again, he's making no effort at all. He's making no effort at all to, to you know, pretend that he knows what, what, what's going on when he goes into this, making no effort at all. Notice his reaction to the news that he's about to lose his gonads. He doesn't seem happy about it. You think that maybe the plume nurse would have, would have noticed that reaction? You think that would be part of what she's doing, is paying attention to him and his cues and evaluating? But of course, she wasn't paying any attention whatsoever to what Craig, Greg was doing during that call. They also didn't care about what Greg directly told them. As he said, again, that he didn't have dysphoria, and yet they wrote a letter saying that he had it anyway. And that's striking because it goes without saying that any reasonable and ethical healthcare provider would have taken one look at Greg and listened to him and said, this is ridiculous. Or at the very least, a reasonable and ethical provider would have pushed back a little bit against the idea that Greg needed his testicles removed. But Plume never did that. They just took Greg's money and sent him a letter authorizing his castration. He said he wanted it, so he got it. And as we reported on Twitter, this fraud extends far beyond Plume. Several other trans healthcare services that operate in nearly every state in the country, like Folks, F-O-L-X, for example, are doing the same thing. So, so what now? That's always the key question after an investigation like this. What are people saying about it? Is there, there going to be any change? Or are we all just going to move on to the next thing and forget about it? Well, over at Media Matters, predictably, they're uh, hoping you ignore our investigation entirely. One of their flacks wrote this, quote, If you're an adult and you want to remove your testicles, it is not the job of a medical professional to stop you, and it certainly is not Matt Walsh's job either. This is not difficult. The principle that the Media Matters flack is outlining is, is indeed pretty simple, also stupid. It's that adults can do whatever they want. If an adult wants to carve up his testicles, then that's his right. Well, the problem with that analysis from Media Matters uh, is that, of course, first of all, it's depraved and insane. Any moral person would not stand by while someone else butchers themselves. I mean, if you saw someone about to stab himself in the stomach or cut off his own hand or his testicles, you, I would hope, wouldn't sit there and say, well, adults have the right to do whatever they want. Instead, you would intervene, realizing that this person is in deep psychological distress and must be stopped for their own good. Rights have nothing to do with it. Just like if someone's about to jump off a bridge and kill themselves, hopefully you would try to intervene rather than say, well, it's his right. It's his right. But this is irrelevant anyway because patients don't remove their own testicles. Doctors remove patients' testicles. And in the process, these doctors claim to have a medical basis for the procedure, which we have now proven is a total lie. These doctors cite standards of care that we've proven are fraudulent. It is not a doctor's job to perform whatever surgery a patient happens to ask for. They're supposed to adhere to some standards. They're supposed to use sound medical judgment. And none of that is happening. That doesn't concern the hacks of media matters, but it does concern actual doctors. For example, Mary Talley Bowden, who uh, completed her residency at Stanford, now runs her own private practice called Breathe MD, told us this, quote, Every treatment recommendation from a physician requires a discussion of risks versus benefits, and typically the higher the risk, the more extensive the discussion. Orchiectomy requires general anesthesia, like any surgery, could result in hemorrhage, infection, or death, not to mention devastating psychological injury should the patient have a change of heart. It's not appropriate to declare someone fit for surgery, especially one this major, over a 22-minute Zoom call with a nurse. None of those complications came up during uh, Greg's conversation with Plume. 
They didn't warn him of any complications, in fact. And that's crazy because, as Bowden told us, telehealth is, quote, appropriate for minor health problems and low-risk treatments. By contrast, orchiectomy is not a low-risk treatment. It often takes days to approve. Greg J. Uh, March Markin, a, a surgeon and OBGYN, OBGYN, was also horrified by what Plume did. Here's what he told us, quote, Informed consent is a critical and essential part of surgery. In the absence of any emergency, it is extremely important that the surgeon or their representatives assure that the patient is completely aware of the nature of the procedure being performed, the likely sequela, and the risks, benefits, and alternatives. A life-altering decision such as permanent castration has serious irreversible consequences. The fact that a medical institution was willing to undertake this surgery only 22 minutes after the patient requested this procedure is an unforgivable departure from the standard of care in any city in the United States. Markin continued, quote, At a very minimum, a person undergoing castration should have been alerted of the long and short-term changes following castration, including hormonal changes, changes to cardiovascular risk, and changes to fertility and sexual function. Instead, this patient found a user-friendly interface that they could click through to get the surgery covered, even though they had just decided that they no longer wanted their, te their testicles. There was none of the extensive psychological or psychiatric counseling that should have accompanied any permanent surgical procedure for, quote, gender affirmation. I don't see medicine here. This is clearly the tool of a political agenda aimed at mainstreaming so-called gender-affirming surgery in order to achieve a political goal. I'm frankly terrified for any patients who have been previously through this process and are certainly at high risk for regret after their surgeries. Well, that's the consensus from every serious medical expert that we've spoken to. After our investigation was published yesterday, we scoured news reports, social media for any contrary opinions from credible people. Couldn't find any. You know, except you know, media matters, which we're not counting as credible. So the question is, if these trans telehealth services are so obviously fraudulent, what can we do about them? What's going to happen that will shut this down and save thousands of patients from this butchery? As of today, we haven't heard anything from Aetna, Cigna, United Health, which are the three uh, providers that work with Plume. That's strange when you think about it. Anyone who pays into insurance plans from, from any of these companies is funding these fraudulent surgeries. You think that would prompt some kind of response. After all, the more these insurers have to pay for nonsense operations, the more they have to raise the cost of other operations that are actually necessary from a medical perspective. But these companies, as of now, don't appear to care about any of that. We also haven't heard anything from uh, Kraft Ventures, David Sachs, or the other investors in Plume. Uh, and folks, we're going to keep trying, though. We have reached out to the attorneys general of the states where this fraud is happening, including in Tennessee. We can confirm right now that the Tennessee attorney general's office says that they will look into this. We're also waiting to hear from Senator Marsha Blackburn, who uh, we understand will issue a statement soon. And we have received uh, some responses from other key officials. Jack Johnson, the Senate majority leader in Tennessee, uh, where both Plume and folks operate, issued this statement, quote, another disgusting attempt to label the mutilation of children as healthcare. I appreciate Matt Walsh for exposing this deranged behavior. This is a real battle, and it is a real battle that we will win. Tennessee State Representative William Lamberth endorsed that post on social media. Officials in other states have also uh, responded as well. So far in Utah, the Attorney General's office has issued a statement calling the reports troubling, saying that they uh, are making it a priority to investigate this kind of fraud. At the federal level, Representative Lisa McLean of Michigan is the chair of Healthcare and Financial Services uh, Committee in Congress. She provided this statement, quote, only in a country that lost its soul can major sex change surgeries be expedited like buying a fast pass at a theme park. This is utterly disgusting, and we cannot continue down this path of insanity. 
It's time America wakes up to reality and casts away progressive ideology that is literally putting people's lives at risk. Arkansas Attorney General Tim Griffin issued this statement, which was somewhat ambiguous, quote, telehealth providers operating in Arkansas must, of course, follow our laws, and I stand ready to ensure that the law is followed. Now, it's not clear exactly what Tim Griffin is waiting to see or what he's going to do to make sure that trans telehealth providers will abide by the law. We have a lot of evidence that these telehealth providers are operating in Arkansas and ripping off insurance companies in the process. Hopefully, Tim Griffin will look into that. After all, it's his job. Overall, it's been only 24 hours since our investigation was published, and we're already getting these responses from officials who have the power to do something about it. And we're going to make sure that they do, in fact, do something about it. Because that's what matters to us. You know, we, we don't chase down these stories and publish them just for the sake of having viral content. We intend to get results and hold people accountable. If we publish a story and it gets a lot of attention and then everybody moves on and nothing happens, to us, to me personally, that's a failure. We have failed. The results are all that matter, and we're going to get them. What we know for sure is that the corporate media will continue to ignore this story. They don't want you to hear about the scam that is trans telehealth care. The same media outlets that lined up to condemn, condemn ivermectin are telling you that there's nothing to see here. But the truth is, this isn't up to them. Insurance companies are getting ripped off, which means that everyone paying into these insurance companies is getting ripped off. Investors have been lied to, which means that they can pull their funding at any moment. And several states now have more than enough justification to issue subpoenas to these telehealth providers to see just how fraudulent their operations really are and how far this uh, goes. If that happens, a lot of people could be spared gruesome surgeries that are totally unnecessary from any conceivable medical perspective. That's what's at stake. That's the whole reason we're covering any of this. All it takes now is for our political leaders to act on what we've uncovered. And we'll make sure that they do. Now let's get to our five headlines. Father's Day is coming up, and this Father's Day, let your dad unleash his inner grill master. Whether he prefers a sizzling steak or savory grilled chicken, look no further than the gift of meat from our friends at Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers offers ribeyes, New York strips, T-bones, all-natural burgers, and all the most delicious chicken you could ever want. Plus, right now, you get $30 off with our code Walsh at GoodRanchers.com. Good Ranchers also offers a price lock guarantee for the next two years as well. Imagine if you could have locked in your price two years ago you would have saved hundreds of dollars. Not sure how to grill the perfect steak? Well, they have tons of recipes on their website, like our favorite, How to Cook a Steak Better Than Gordon Ramsay, uh, which is uh, quite a promise, but it does deliver. Whether your dad is a steak lover, a barbecue enthusiast, or just enjoys a good old-fashioned burger, Good Ranchers has something for everyone. Order today and make this Father's Day a sizzling success. Head to GoodRanchers.com. Use our code Walsh for $30 off any box. That's promo code Walsh at GoodRanchers.com. GoodRanchers.com. American meat delivered. We'll begin with this from The Hill. It says, the political world is bracing for the possibility of a federal indictment of former President Trump, the leading candidate for the Republican presidential election next year. A flurry of recent activity and posturing related to a special counsel probe into his handling of classified documents is fueling talk that an indictment could be imminent. Trump's attorney, attorneys met Sunday with Justice Department officials, including special counsel Jack Smith, who's probing whether Trump improperly handled classified documents after leaving office. The Florida grand jury is reportedly convening this week in the case after a, a lengthy hiatus. Democrats and Republicans went back and forth on Tuesday over a letter Representative Jim Jordan, a uh, vocal Trump ally and chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, sent to Attorney General Merrick Garland to obtain more information about special counsel Jack Smith's investigations into Trump. 
And a barrage of angry social media posts from Trump on Tuesday morning further fed into talk that the former president may be concerned about an impending uh, announcement in the case. I suspect it's near, according to Attorney General Bill Barr, former Attorney General Bill Barr, uh, who said this on Tuesday on CBS Mornings. I've said for a while that I think that this is the most dangerous legal risk facing the former president. If I had to bet, I would bet that it's near, and near being the indictment. Well, all I can say about this is that um, if they go forward with a federal indictment, federally indicting a leading presidential candidate and a former president as we head into an election year, um, and they do it for an alleged quote-unquote crime that Biden himself, the current president, has also committed. If it is a crime, then he committed it too. We know that. Hillary Clinton, who, by the way, uh, in, in, in her uh, position as Secretary of State, did not have the power to declassify documents the way that, that Trump did. So it's a, a, if it's this, this alleged crime that Biden himself has committed, Hillary Clinton committed, and is apparently very common, and yet they indict him anyway, then I'm not sure where we go from there, because that, that really is truly a collapse of the republic kind of situation. It just is. For all the talk of the attacks on our democracy, this would be an attack unlike anything we've seen yet. Is it an actual attack on our democracy? And it's an attack on our democracy because it's an attempt to uh, circumvent and subvert the will of the people heading into an election. Because that's, of course, the only reason they're doing this. To try to take Trump out of the equation so that the voters don't get a chance to choose him. They're worried the voters will choose him again. And so they're trying to take him out of the equation. That, that is, I mean, that is, that's, for all the talk we hear about attacks on our democracy, that's what it looks like. When you try to stop people, prevent people from voting for someone by indicting them and throwing them in prison for political reasons only, which is, which is all this is. You know, we hear about how, well, if you have voter ID, you're preventing people from voting. You're preventing them from doing anything. You just, just get an ID and go vote. But you already have an ID. If you're, if you're a functional adult in the United States of America in the year 2023, uh, you must already have one. And if you don't, it's very easy to get one. Um, so that doesn't prevent anyone, anyone from voting. You can go vote for the person that you want. Now, if you take someone who's running for president and you take them out and you throw them in prison, and the only reason you're doing it is to stop people from voting for it, well, now you have prevented people from voting for the person that they want. That's an attack on our democracy. But, but what would make it all the more disastrous is just how obvious it is. Now, we know, and they're always, if, if you're especially cynical, as I tend to be, I admit, uh, and you hear about stories like this, you can always say, well, yeah, of course, the whole government's corrupt. It's always been this way. They always do things like this. They've always been corrupt people in government. And yeah, of course, that's, that's the case. But once it's this out in the open, and it's like they're, they're standing in front of, front of us and saying, yes, uh, here's something that Biden did and Hillary Clinton did, and we didn't care about that, but we're going after Trump for it. And they're out in the open telling us that. Then that puts the corruption out in the open. And at that point, it's like that, that, that's when any faith that people have in the system, if they have any faith left, any faith just goes out the window. 
And when the people lose all semblance of faith and trust in the system, that's when everything comes crashing down. You know, none of this works unless all the people basically buy in. If they don't anymore, then you have chaos, and that's where we're headed. Uh, speaking of losing faith in the system, the, this is from Daily Wire. The Southern, the Southern Poverty Law Center put several parents' rights groups on its hate map alongside the likes of the Ku Klux Klan. We know that the uh, Southern po- Poverty Law Center, ha- you know, they, they are a far-left far left activist group, about as far left as you can possibly get, which is saying something. And they have taken it upon themselves to be the, uh, the arbiters of what qualifies as hate, what qualifies as a hate group. And so that even though, looks like, kind of like we talked about the, uh, the human rights campaign yesterday, another far left group declared a, a state of emergency. And we kind of laugh about that because they're not a governmental entity. So who cares about them declaring a state of emergency? It seems a little bit like in the office when Michael Scott walks out of his office and shouts, I declare bankruptcy. It's like it doesn't work that way. You can't just literally shout it. And you'd think it's the same thing. The human rights campaign can't walk outside of its offices and shout state of emergency and anything happens. But uh, they operate, human rights campaign does, as sort of a, a quasi-governmental agency. So they, they, they kind of have the power of governmental agencies. And it's the same thing with the Southern Poverty Law Center. So it shouldn't matter. When they, when they declare that you are a hate group or a hateful person or a terrorist, it shouldn't make any difference whatsoever. Yeah, they think that. Who cares? But it does matter. It does matter because the system grants them validity. And, there's, and so there's, there's real power behind that. There could be actual consequences behind being, uh, uh, being labeled this way by the Southern Poverty Law Center, even though they're not a governmental agency but they operate as one and they've been empowered to operate as one, basically. So who are the new uh, hate groups, according to the Southern Poverty Law Center? Daily Wire says the SPLC, an uber leftist civil rights watchdog group, frequently brands conservatives and Christian organizations hate groups. And this year, that includes parental rights groups like Moms for Liberty and Parents Defending Education. The SPLC said in its The Year in Hate and Extremism report for 2022, released on Tuesday, says, quote, schools especially have been on the receiving end of ramped up and coordinated hard right, hard right attacks frequently through the guise of parents' rights groups. Moms for Liberty is at the forefront of this mobilization, the SPLC said. The list of hate groups includes 230 chapters of Moms for Liberty, 12 chapters of uh, Parental Rights and Education, a group called No Left Turn in Education, and several chapters of another group called Parents Involved in Education. The SPLC said extremist groups include anti-government groups as well as hate groups. The report lists 523 hate groups and 702 anti-government extremist groups, a total of um, uh, 1,225 active groups. Moms for Liberty is listed on the hate map as an anti-government movement. You know, God forbid, God forbid there's an anti-government movement. This is... I mean, it, it's so absurd, obviously, especially if you've ever, if you know anything about Moms for Liberty and you've been around, maybe you're, you're in the organization, you've been to any of their events. Um, and, and I have, I've spoken at Moms for Liberty events. I know a lot of people that are, that are involved and uh, you know who they are? Well, they're just, they're moms. Like I said, it's, they're just, they're moms who uh, are concerned about their kids' education and they don't want, for example, pornography to be distributed to their kids at school. And that's what they're concerned about. They're concerned about their kids. And so they organize events 
And, you know, they raise awareness about these issues. They engage in activism that is, of course, always peaceful. Okay, it's, it's not a bunch of moms with, like, literal pitchforks and torches and all of that storming into schools and tearing it apart. As therapeutic as that might be to witness, uh, that's not actually what they're doing. Not anything close to that. It's extremely peaceful groups of normal, just like everyday moms. This is your, this is your uh, prototypical, like, grassroots organization. And this is what they're doing. And they've had a lot of success recently. They've been very effective. That's what, that's what lands them on the hate group thing. Which is why, really, if you're a conservative group and you're not on the Southern Poverty Law Center hate map, it means you have a lot of work to do. It's like it's, it's, it's now a point of shame if you're not on it. Because the way that you land on it is to be effective. Once you start, once you start having a real impact and you're making a difference, that's when they, bland, they, they brand you as a hate group. And of course, understood a certain way, uh, there might be some accuracy to it. Is Moms for Liberty a hate group? Well, they do, they do hate certain things. Like they, they hate the indoctrination and sexualization of their children. They hate that. They hate the pornography that's being distributed in schools. You know, they hate assaults on their family and on their freedom. They, they hate all those things. All those things that should be hated. And actually hated, not just like disliked, but hated. Uh, all right. And that's always, when the left calls you a hate group, they mean, again, well, they mean that you're, that you're effective. That's the first thing. And, uh, and they mean that they hate you. But also, they, they mean that you hate evil, terrible things. That's how you get branded a hate group. Um, here's some more hateful people hating the right things. Daily Wire reports tensions boiled over Tuesday night outside a California school board meeting where officials were discussing efforts to celebrate Pride Month with parents and activists squaring off against masked Antifa members. The clash came outside the Glendale Unified School District's headquarters where parents, many from the Los Angeles County City's uh, Armenian and Hispanic communities, were blasting board members for promoting a pro-LGBTQ agenda to young children. Other speakers, including a man in a skirt and high heels, showed up in support of the district's pro-pride agenda, according to reports. One father warned, all these fake people, pointing to several mass crowd members, are going to go away. and We're going to vote every one of you out. The issue has roiled the district in recent days, with many parents, including those from ethnic communities, pulling their children out of school in protest. Some elementary schools only had a 40% attendance rate on June 2nd, which, I mean, that is music to my ears. I love to hear that. These schools are being taken down because parents are taking back control of their kids' education, pulling their kids out, you know, depriving the education system of the fuel that it needs to run, and that fuel is your children. And it's very much like, uh, like the fuel you toss into a fire. You send your kids to public school, it's, like you're, 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 it's a log in the fire is what you're doing. Uh, we, have some, we have some footage of that. So parents showed up, especially lots of fathers, a lot of dads showed up to protest the sexualization and indoctrination of kids in their school system. Antifa shows up. And Antifa is accustomed to, they show up and they've got their masks on and they're carrying their baseball bats and doing everything else and they're dressed in all black and they're doing their whole, uh, their whole pageant, their whole routine. And what happens normally is that they 
do whatever they want. They get their way. People back away because they're afraid. That's not what happened here because a bunch of dads showed up on the other side and were not so willing to back away. And let's watch a little bit of the footage of this encounter. Yeah, you can see, you kind of see, it's, it's hard to discern, but you always know the people in masks. Oh, boy. Wow. The people in masks are always the Antifa members. Okay. That's how you can spot them. If they have a pink hat on, probably Antifa also. And here we can see the Antifa, they're backing away. And at the bottom of the screen there, you look, those are... Those are all men for the most part, you know, probably 95% men. And those are dads. Those are dads doing what dads ought to do. All right. That's something that you uh, absolutely love to see. That is, um, and that is exactly what needs to happen. Where dads show up and say, you're not going to do this anymore. You're, you're not going to do this to, to my child. This is not going to happen and then when, when Antifa comes and they've got their pink hats on and their masks and everything, trying to scare you. I mean, most of these people, look, I mean, there are actual violent extremists in Antifa, obviously. And there are a lot of uh, deranged people, mentally ill people. And you never know exactly what they're going to do. Um, so, you know, that, that, is, that is the case. There's a real threat and a real risk there. And, and even if they're all a bunch of weaklings, well, if you put a whole bunch of weaklings together... And, uh, and all of them are mentally ill and crazy and deranged perverts, then they can do some real damage. But it is also true that individually, these people are, are absolute cowards. They're pitiful cowards. And that's the way it always goes. If you show up and you stand your ground and you have some real men there who are, who are, uh, who are pissed off, who are angry and justifiably so, then you're going to see them run and scatter and run for the hills. All right, I want to play this, a little bit of this report for you. Uh, this is a news report out of Las Vegas. And all I'm going to do, it doesn't need a lot of setup. This is, this is the report. Okay, this is what they're saying. This is what happened according to this uh, news report in Las Vegas. This is it. Let's watch it. It is the police call everybody will be talking about. Thanks for joining us here at 6 o'clock. I'm Denise Valdez. I'm Brian Loftus. A family says something crashed into their backyard, prompting them to call 911, saying they saw creatures walking around. Our 8 News Now investigators digging into this for weeks now. And tonight, our David Charns with the video you will only see on 8 News Now. David? Brian, Denise, sources telling the 8 News Now investigators that several agencies believe something landed or crashed, whether it was non humans or not, it certainly scared the people living on this property. Now, before we show you that video, listen to their call for help. There's like an eight foot person beside it and another one's inside and it has big eyes and looking at us and it's still there. Okay, where is this on your property? Uh, in my backyard. I swear to God, this is not a joke. This is actually weird. So there's, two, terrified of it. So there's two people or two subjects that are in your backyard? Correct, and they're very large. They're okay. like eight foot, nine feet, ten foot. I don't know. They they look like they look like aliens to us. Big eyes. They have big eyes. Okay. Like like I can't explain it. Go ahead. Like pause pause for a second. I just like how, I, and I know these diamond operators. They hear a lot of crazy stuff. But I like how casual. She's so casual about it. This guy's like, yeah, I'm looking at space aliens. They're ten feet tall. They have big eyes. Space space aliens that crash landed in my in my backyard. And she says, oh okay. And where are they? Where are these these 10-foot creatures? Oh, they're standing right there. Okay. Now, I will say, 
and and I haven't even watched this full report yet. So we're watching it together for the first time. Uh, we're experiencing this together. It's a magical moment. I, I'm already asking about the same question you are, which is, uh, did you get a picture? I mean, I, I would think. Now, now, look, I'll be the first to say, people are far too quick to pull out their phones these days, and uh, and even to take pictures. I think I think you know there are times when uh, you see something and, and you're experiencing something, and and. Uh, and it's always like, well, we got to document it. We got to go. We got to. We got to get it on camera. And then what ends up happening is that you're experiencing this moment through a little screen instead of experiencing it in reality. And I think that's bad. I mean, I think a lot of times we should just be in the moment. However, something like this, when you've got ten foot aliens in your backyard, you probably want to get the phone out and get that on tape. Maybe they do. Let's keep watching. They're shiny eyes and. And they're not human. They're 100% they're not human. Okay. Well, the 8 News Now investigators obtaining video as officers then responded to the call you just heard. You'll see the officers also saw something in the sky that night, but the big question is, what was it and is it all connected? It's almost midnight on May 1st when a Las Vegas Metro Police officer's body cam catches this, something flashing low in the sky. 911 emergency. Minutes later. There's, a, there's like an eight-foot person beside it and another one's inside and it has big eyes and looking at us and it's still there. Someone calls 911 reporting two large figures in their backyard. Uh, no, I'm still nervous right now. The 8 News Now investigators obtaining another officer's video as he's sent to the Northwest Valley home. I have butterflies, bro. Everyone saw a shooting star. Then these people say there's aliens in their backyard. By now, it's more than an hour after that bright light. Officers meeting up with the caller and his family. What did you see? It was like a... Like a big creature. A big creature? Yeah, like a long, top. I'm not going to BS you guys. One of my partners said they saw something fall out of the sky too, so that's yes. why I'm kind of curious. Uh, Did you see anything I land see. in your backyard? Or they see like a big. That's what they say. They see like a big, uh, like a big something with light. What I saw right now, I do believe in it. Police walk into the backyard to investigate, but Metro blacked out that part of the video because it's considered what? private property. Right. It's clear they're okay. taking this call seriously. Hey, this All might right, sound like a. Um, I mean, I would just keep watching the entire thing, but you got to stop it somewhere. Uh, so they, they black it out because it's someone's private property, but you were in their front yard and you didn't black it out. And, it, and it, it, we see video all the time of people being like shot to death on camera and they no problem publishing that. There can be a video of somebody getting shot to death in like in their own home and some kind of standoff and we'll see that. But in this case, well, to respect their privacy, we're not going to show you the backyard where aliens landed. And I guess, so I, I'm going to assume that if they got the cell phone footage of the aliens, they would have shown that. They're not going to save that for the end. I, I think they're not going to save, they're not going to bury that lead. I don't think they're going to go through five minutes and then say, oh, by the way, we actually have the footage. Here it is. Here are the aliens. There you go. So I'm going to assume they never got it. So, so they never pulled out the phone to get this on camera. I don't know. I mean, look, it could be that they got it on camera and then the footage was confiscated. By, by, you know, men in black who pulled up in SUVs and took the phones. That could have happened. It could be that they just wanted to experience the moment. You know, that, that could also, they were in the moment. And they said, we don't, this is not about getting in. We don't need, you know, we don't need to use this for clicks and likes on Twitter. We're just going to experience this moment together as a family and watch the aliens. That could have happened. So the skeptics 
And the party poopers will say, this is nonsense. They would have got the cell phone out. I'm just saying that's a possible explanation, but there are other explanations that would still allow us to believe that aliens really landed in this guy's backyard. All right, so there we go. Uh, oh, one other thing. So that was a, a fun story. This one is horrific. That unfortunately, we have to end the uh, headlines with. Daily Wire has this report. Social media platform Instagram has been accused of helping to facilitate connections between a vast pedophile network, according to a report from the Wall Street Journal and academic researchers. The journal, alongside researchers at Stanford University and the University of Massachusetts Amherst, reported that Instagram allowed and promoted accounts that openly buy and commission underage sex content. Quote, Instagram connects pedophiles and guides them to content sellers via recommendation systems that excel at linking those who share these interests, the journal and the academic researchers found. The researchers found that Instagram enabled people to search explicit hashtags such as, quote, pedo whore and, uh, or, or hashtag pedo whore and hashtag preteen sex. So these are hashtags that you did on Instagram you can search. And Instagram apparently has not disabled those hashtags, which, which it could easily do. And that connects them to accounts that use the terms to advertise child sex material for sale. Accounts who post menus, quote unquote, that offer inappropriate content, including imagery of the minor performing sexual acts with animals. That, that's in quotes. Um, other menus reportedly offered videos of children hurting themselves or meetups with kids. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to even read this, but uh, to summarize, on on Instagram, there is this coordinated uh, effort and conspiracy among a vast network of pedophiles to prey on kids and to share uh, this kind of material. And Instagram apparently allows it. I mean, there's there's a lot of really basic things they could do to shut a lot of this down. And uh, apparently they are not doing it. So what do we do about that? Well, I mean, on, on the legal end, for one thing, you start holding these platforms accountable. Like, accountable, and what I mean by that is burning them to the ground, legally speaking. If they aren't doing anything to prevent, you know, um, child pornography from being distributed on their platform, to prevent children from being actively preyed upon on their platforms, this thing where they are totally exempt from any kind of liability whatsoever has to end. That's the first thing that needs to be done. And then the second thing, which is really the first thing on an individual basis, is that we as parents have to uh, make some decisions about whether or not we're going to allow our kids onto these platforms. And to me, as you know, because I'm on this, uh, you know, I'm standing on the soapbox every single day. It's an easy decision. You don't, you don't allow your kids on these platforms. You don't give them the phones with internet access. This is what you're giving them access to, or more, more specifically, this is who you are giving, uh, who you, this is who, your, who will be able to access your kids. So it's not just about what your kids can access. It's now that, it's, it's that your kids are now accessible for all these perverts and degenerates out there. It really is allowing your kid on a social media platform it is, it is very similar to dropping your 10-year-old off at some seedy bar 
downtown for the day and leaving them there and, you know, going to run errands or something. When you think about all the people who are there, who are who your your child is now is now totally vulnerable and is in this in completely inappropriate, to say the least, environment for a child. Not at all equipped to navigate it, to be able to protect themselves, to understand what the risks are. And that's that's the downside to putting your kids on these platforms. What the hell is the upside? What is the up? We know what the downside is. You let your kid on the social media platforms. The downside is uh, they become totally obsessed with it. They they you know forfeit their actual childhood in favor of like the screen. They become addicted to the screen. They don't know how to even be a. They don't know how to socialize anymore. They don't know anything. They just, they're they're constantly their lives become absorbed by the screen. That's one consequence. The other, even greater consequence, is uh, all of the horrific content and material they're now going to be exposed to. And all of the degenerate monsters who can access your kids now. Those are all the downsides, along with many other downsides. What is the upside? And I can't think of I can't think of any upside, actually. I cannot think of any upside to allowing your child on something like Instagram. And even if you could think of one, I don't think it's going to be one that outweighs all the downsides I just listed. And yet, even though it's all downside. And these are major, I say downside, these are like major, major problems. And there's nothing on the other, side, on the other end to, to, to counterbalance that. Still, you've got millions of parents who say, yeah, well, you know, go ahead. I mean, it's mind-boggling to me. All right, let's get to the comment section. Did you know our friends at GenuCell have upgraded the most popular package to feature their top-selling deep-firming vitamin C serum plus ultra-retinal moisturizer with natural retinal alternative? Well, right now, you can take advantage of this limited-time package upgrade for 70% off. Why waste time and money to go get work done on your face when you can get GenuCell skincare shipped right to your door? GenuCell's secret is a family recipe for over 20 years that makes it safe for all skin types and perfect for both men and women. Made by compounding pharmacists in small batches, it's always safe, cruelty-free, and natural. Our production team just hired a new intern named Finn. So far, he's been uh, doing a really great job making coffee every morning. But the taste of my coffee is soured by his horrendous, hideous skin. His skin is so dry and flaky. I have to check my coffee just to make sure peeled skin flakes didn't drop into it. It's revolting. It really is that bad, uh, and I'm, I'm definitely not making any of this up. It's 100% true. But luckily for Finn, we have loads of GenuCell in the office, which he's been able to use and we have locked him in a hole somewhere and thrown the lotion at him and told him it puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. And anyway, his flakiness has finally vanished. So go to GenuCell.com Walsh and try GenuCell's most popular package for 70% off featuring both GenuCell's Ultra Retinal and GenuCell's Firming Serum. Get a complimentary spa essentials box with every package order plus free upgrade to priority shipping. Go to GenuCell.com Walsh. That's GenuCell.com Walsh. I should say, you know, I said that there's there's no upside to allowing your children on these platforms. Uh, and, and to be fair, because I don't want to make a straw man out of it, I have heard the parents who do allow their kids on the platform, uh, they do mention the one thing that they see as the upside, which is that uh, their kids will fit in. You know, if, if you don't let them on Instagram, you don't let them on TikTok, they won't fit in. If you don't give them a smartphone with internet access, they won't fit in. They'll be weird. They won't fit in with their friends. 
Except that's not that's not that's another downside. In fact, like, do you actually want your kid? You, you see this. You go out in the culture. You see the way people are. You, you want your kid to fit in with that. That that is your great dream. Your hope for your children is that they just fit in with all the other morons. I don't want my kids to fit in with that. You know, I want them to be, to be ele- to elevate above that. I want them to be different. And the other thing is that I know as an adult, because I've been through it, and so I have perspective that my kids don't have. I know that fitting in as a kid doesn't matter because the moment you graduate school and you go on and you start living your life, whether or not you were considered cool as a kid, if you fit in, like it makes no, no one cares anymore. It doesn't mean anything. And you get to be an old fogey like me in your mid-30s and you look back at, uh, you know, it's the classic thing. You look back at people you knew in high school and middle school and the, one that were, the ones that were really cool back then. And you look at what they're doing now. Some of them are succeeding. Many of them are not. Many of them turned out to be total losers, not doing anything interesting with their lives. Are they taking solace in the fact that, you know, well, when I was in 10th grade, I really fit in. People liked me a lot. Who cares? doesn't mean anything. Like all that stuff, uh, the, the, the social pressures, everything. Once your child is out of that, it means nothing. It's just vapor. It's nothing. And, and we are supposed to know that as adults. Our kids can't see it. They don't have the perspective that we have. And so we're supposed to be telling them and, 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 and reassuring them of that. Um, but instead, you have adults that, uh, that, that apparently don't have that perspective. So their kids say, oh, it's the end of the world if I don't fit in and have a smartphone. Then you have parents that, what, agree with that? And say, oh, you're right, yeah. I mean, if, if you're seen as a loser now and weird because you don't have a smartphone, it is the end of the world. We better give you a smartphone. Like, that's the mentality that you have as a parent? What the hell is wrong with you? Uh, well, I know what's wrong with you. A lot, a lot of things are wrong with you. All right, uh, comment says, knowing Matt's sarcasm level, I can't tell if he's seriously interested in aliens. Another comment responds, bruh, for real, I'm trying to dissect every single word and gesture, and it's a struggle. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, you can't tell if I'm seriously interested. Well, I would think that it's pretty obvious by now. Now I know, yeah, I know I can be a, a sarcastic sob, and I can keep a, you know, and I can I can keep a bit running for a long time. But it should be clear by now, with how often I talk about it, that I am actually interested in it. And why wouldn't I be? I mean, the fact that you would even consider the possibility that I'm sarcastic about it is is disappointing. Like, do I need to be, so I'm interested in the, in the fact that aliens are landing on earth. I'm interested in that fact. And you think I must, it must be sarcasm. No, maybe I'm interested because it's a really interesting fact. Uh, Strana says the whole adults can do what they want. Shtick is so annoying and ignorant. It's nice to finally hear someone going against the care, that careless mindset. For the people that say adults can have their genitals mutilated by their choice because it makes them happier about themselves. That's like saying people can commit self-harm uh, slash forever sleep. I guess suicide is what I mean. Because it'll relieve their stress or going back to the subject of dysmorphia. It's like saying anorexic people can starve themselves to feel better about their bodies. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like saying. And I think that the... Um, and I've, I just used the self-harm example, suicide example. Anorexia is probably the best example of all because that's another form of uh, body dysmorphia where someone sees their body in a way that, that, that isn't true. You know, someone's rail thin and uh, emaciated and thinks that they're obese and overweight. They have a perception of their body that is incorrect. 
And in that case, at least now, and maybe this will change as our culture becomes more and more, quote unquote, accepting. But right now, when somebody with anorexia says, I'm so fat and overweight, the last thing anyone would ever do is agree with them or affirm their perception of themselves. And we can all see that with eating disorders. And yet somehow it's hard to see it for some people when it comes to gender. Uh, Joshua says, one of Joe Rogan's guests once posited that the aliens were the, were the humans of the future coming back to check on us. If this were true, would this be more or less fascinating than little green men? I think it's a little bit less interesting. It's also impossible and it doesn't make any sense. Why would they? So they're from the future and they came to check on it. Like, don't they already know what happened? They're in the future. This is in the past. Why would they need to come and see it? They would already know all of this anyway. And especially why would they need to come back to the year, like to the 21st century when everything is on film? So, you know, there's like maybe if you want to go back to the year 1300 to see what was really going on back then when things were not nearly as uh, consistently documented, why would they need to go to now? It's like if you are currently in the year 2500 and you want to know what it was like in the 21st century, then I'm sure there's some kind of archive somewhere of all the TikTok videos and just go look at that. That's what it was. It was just that. Do they want to come back here because they're thinking it could have been that bad? Is that really what people were like back then? And they're coming to check it out, maybe? Of course, there's also the problem that traveling into the past seems to me to be totally impossible. Like, how, how would that even be possible? The past is over. It's done. That That's all gone now. You can't, it doesn't like exist somewhere stored on some sort of hard drive. It's just, it's gone. All that is gone. Um, a bunch of other aliens. What if if they did come from outside of this world, then they have absolutely mastered space travel. My question is, maybe this is not outer space we're contemplating, but more interdimensional space, which is a whole other rabbit altogether. Yeah, I've heard this interdimensional time travel. You know, all kinds of theories. No, they're aliens. All right, let's all get on the same page here with what we're looking at. That's what it is. If you, along with tens of millions of people, watch the uh, Netflix hit show Making a Murderer, then you're going to love Daily Wire Plus's new exclusive 10-part docuseries with Candace Owens called Convicting a Murderer, which is coming this summer. When leftists are confronted with the truth, their only response is to scream in your face or run away. I've personally encountered that myself, and so has Candace Owens many times. She's unafraid to call out the mob and expose the truth. When Candace found out that key facts may have been omitted in Netflix's series, she set out to uncover the truth behind the notorious Stephen Avery case. The end result is, a con- is convicting a murderer. You're not going to want to miss this series. And right now, there's never been a better time to become a Daily Wire Plus member. Sign up now for Convicting a Murderer, and you'll receive an early bird discount of 25% off your Daily Wire Plus membership. You'll also get all their other premium content from Daily Wire Plus, including The Greatest Lie Ever Sold, What is a Woman, and the largest collection of content from Jordan Peterson, including his series on the Book of Exodus. So join now at dailywire.com slash subscribe to become a member and see the truth when it finally comes out. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Our daily cancellation today begins with this post from the Twitter account End Wokeness. And here we have two pictures of the actress Megan Fox walking around with her three children, all boys. The account adds this caption, quote, Megan Fox has three sons that all dress like girls. I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Indeed, by sheer coincidence, it just so happens that many Hollywood stars have children who end up being trans or, quote, unquote, gender fluid or, quote, unquote, non-binary or some other made-up identity. These identities are innate. They're deeply rooted in a person's person's selfhood. All of these children are born like this. And yet somehow, by pure luck, everyone in Hollywood has a trans kid all of a sudden. What could possibly explain this perplexing scientific phenomenon? 
Now, not to get into semantics, but some have responded that in those pictures that you can look at, only the oldest boy appears to be wearing girl clothes. The, other ha- the others have long hair, but are arguably wearing normal clothing for a boy. That may or may not be the case in those pictures, but other photos like these, for example, clearly show that Fox uh, uh, enjoys cross-dressing all of her boys and parading them around in public like that. Should go without saying, though apparently it needs to be said, that this is sick and twisted behavior on the part of Megan Fox and of all the other woke Munchausen mommies who actively try to create identity crises in their children, especially their sons. Now, I'm not going to say that a boy is doomed if his mom is single and liberal. There is always hope, after all. But he is at an enormous disadvantage. Given that he's being raised by someone who hates his boyhood, hates masculinity, who wants to turn him into a girl and then show him around town like a trophy. We'll talk about that in a moment. First, we must acknowledge the defenses that have been trotted out for Megan Fox. The Daily Dot writes, quote, Megan Fox was photographed earlier this year walking around Los Angeles with the three sons she shares with Brian Austin Green, and Twitter transphobes had a field day when the, when the photos were reshared online. While leaving a grocery store, Noah, Bodie, and Journey, uh, the boy's name, were seen in various states of dress, all had long hair, and while Noah opted for a pink, more feminine outfit, his younger brothers donned band tees, camo, and gray clothing. A popular and controversial conservative uh, Twitter account called End Wokeness commented on the pictures, which you just read the comment. The tweet swiftly brought bigots out of the woodwork. In the replies, Twitter users voiced their opinions, saying things like, my sons will be men, or replying with cringy memes. As Megan's parenting skills were called into question, Twitter user Queen of the Crew stood up for her, saying, quote, she talks about how they like to express themselves and how at this moment they like wearing dresses or pink or girly clothes. Just shut up. Now, the article notes that, that uh, Fox has spoken publicly about her cross-dressing uh, children a, a number of times because, of course, of course, she's spoken publicly about it. That's the whole point, is to speak publicly about it, to get public attention. The Daily Dot continues, in an interview with Glamour UK in April of 2022, Fox said that although she cannot control the way other people react to my children, she can do her best to make them feel loved and accepted in their home. Quote, Noah started wearing dresses when he was about two, and I bought a bunch of books that sort of addressed these things and addressed a full spectrum of what this is, Fox shared in the interview. Some of the books are written by transgender children. Some of the books are just about how you can be a boy and wear a dress. You can express yourself through your clothing however you want. That doesn't even have anything to do with sexuality. This has generally been the defense. Megan Fox is not pushing anything on her sons. She's just giving them room to explore and be themselves, we're told. The website Education and Career News has more quotes from the actress on this subject, though I'm not sure what any of this has to do with education or career news. Quote, when I became pregnant with Noah, I could feel through my mother's intuition, I suppose, that he was not subscribing to gender stereotypes. So I decided to provide an environment for him early on that would allow him to discover how he wanted to express himself, she says. Fox encourages other parents to implement non-gender binary lifestyles for their children. Start by giving kids, quote, the space to find the things that resonate with them, she says, that encourage, then encourage them. Quote, it's not our job to, to shape them into people we think they should be, says Fox. It's our job to receive with grace the lessons they bring us. Children are mirrors that reflect back, us, back to us our shadow selves, our shame and our insecurities. Quote, it's our job to love and nurture the child as they are so they can thrive as adults. Ah, so we're told that Fox isn't pushing this on her son, that she's merely giving them space to express themselves. She's letting them lead the way. And in the case of her oldest son, he started leading the way when he was still in the womb. 
When he was, according to the pro-abortion Megan Fox, still not even human, not a person, he was still somehow sending signals from the womb that he very much wanted to cross-dress and be gender fluid. Fox received these mystical messages sent from the non-human entity in her womb and then began dressing him as a girl when he was still a toddler. This would appear very much to be an example of the mother foisting this on the son, making this decision for him. Actually, it doesn't appear that way. It just is that way. And that's the way it always is in these kinds of situations because parents are, are in charge of their young children, whether they want to be or not. It doesn't make any sense to say that your four-year-old son started wearing dresses. I mean, what do you mean started? Did he get in the car himself, drive down to the store, pick out his own skirts and pay for them with his own credit card? Did he walk out of his room one morning in girl clothes and say, hey, mom, what do you think? Just ran out to Target yesterday, picked these up. Also grabbed some more coffee filters because, you know, we were running low. Is, I mean, is that how it works with a four-year-old? Presumably not. The boy starts wearing girl clothes because the mother decides to go out and buy the girl clothes and bring them home and dress her son in them. That's not the boy expressing himself. This is the boy expressing the mother's desires. Fox says that it's not our job as parents to shape our children into the people they should be. She says that it's our job to, to learn from them. But she's absolutely going out of her way to shape her boys into non-binary cross-dressers. She made that decision for them before they were born and admits it. She's not letting her children take the lead. She has them by the hand and is guiding them into a life of confusion and emasculation. And just to be clear, the guiding part is not the problem. I'm not suggesting that she should be letting them take the lead or that she should actually be abiding by the nonsense that she spews about not shaping her children into the people they should be. Um, no, it is absolutely our job as parents to lead our kids. It is our job to shape them into the people they should be. That is our job. That's the whole point of parenting. If the whole point was simply to keep them fed and sheltered and nothing else, then they, they wouldn't even need parents. Feeding and sheltering is the easy part. Anyone can do that. The hard part of parenting, the parenting part of parenting, is to tend to our children's emotional, psychological, and moral formation. It's to teach them how to live in the world, how to be well-adjusted and thriving members of society. Kids are not born with this knowledge. These are not skills that are infused into children in infancy through some mystical force. They need their parents to lead them. If you're following the lead of your children, you will be following them in circles and then over a cliff, literally, maybe. Now, I know that if, if I followed my children's lead, they would all be dead about 100 times over by now. So this parenting advice from Megan Fox is unsurprisingly nonsensical. Yet, as we established, she doesn't follow it herself. Her problem is not that she's hands-off. It's not that she puts them in front and follows behind. It's that she does lead, but leads them deeper into confusion, leads them away from understanding themselves and their place in the world, leads them away from their own masculinity, their own identities. Because as it turns out, of all the things a child needs to be taught, perhaps the most important lesson is how to be themselves. Okay, a boy needs to be taught what it means to be a boy, what boys should do, how they should act, how they should operate in the world, what their roles and responsibilities are. Now, you might say that there, there ought to be no preconceived notions about what boyhood means, but that is itself a preconceived notion. And if you raise your boy according to it, 
you will be leaving him to wander the forest without any kind of map or any landmarks to orient himself with. When you say to a boy, yes, you were born male, but that fact has absolutely no significance and means exactly nothing, you're not freeing him to be himself. You're depriving him of himself. You have just told him that his self, his actual physical identity, is meaningless. That's not freedom. That's despair. I mean, even if it was possible for a boy to be something other than a boy, for him to choose some identity apart from boyhood, how could he make that choice if he doesn't know what being a boy is to begin with? How can he reject an identity that he doesn't understand? But of course, it's not possible. Boys are boys no matter how they feel, or, how, or more specifically, how their mothers feel. They only have this one identity, and it's up to us as parents to guide them towards a more full understanding of it which we can't do by dressing them like girls. And that is why Megan Fox is today canceled. And that'll do, do it for the show today. Um, and this week, we're off tomorrow. We'll be back on Monday. Have a great weekend. Talk to you on Monday. Godspeed.